The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 20th chapter. Jesus said to the disciples, The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for the usual daily wage, he sent them into his vineyard. When he went out about nine o'clock, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and he said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. And so they went. When he went out again about noon and about three o'clock, he did the same. And about five o'clock, he went out and found others standing around, and he said to them, Why are you standing here idle all day? He said to him, They said to him, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, You also go into the vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, Call the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and then going to the first. When those hired about five o'clock came, each of them received the usual daily wage. Now when the first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received the usual daily wage. And when they received it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last the same that I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated, and the children may come forward for a children's sermon. Have any of you ever seen this book? No. No. This book was written by a variety of people in 1981 for the celebration of the bicentennial of Trinity Evangelical Lutheran Church in Arnsville. Who knows what a bicentennial is? Yeah. More. Bi, meaning two. Yeah, 200 years. Bicentennial. Bicentennial. So the 200th birthday of Trinity Evangelical Lutheran Church, we celebrated in a wide variety of ways, but we also wrote a little bit of our history. I wanted to read to you part of this bicentennial booklet. It describes our very first church. Now, can everybody look at my nose? I promise it's not runny. There you go. Our very first church actually wasn't here. If you would go down towards the ACMB bank, 
uh, here in town around Zion, down on the corner. That's where our first church was. We shared a church. Us and Zion, we weren't called what we're called today, but us and Zion, we shared a church together. So way back in 1787, we built our first building. 1787, a while ago, right? And here's how one person writing in 1880 described it. The church, a log building, so we know it's made of logs. What does a log building look like? Yeah. Um, you build it with logs? Yeah, you build it with logs. They're stacked one on top of the other, right? So a log building, weatherboarded, was located on the present bank site opposite the Reformed Church, so opposite Zion Church. It was two-storied, so two stories, having galleys on three sides. The pulpit was in the shape of a barrel and set against the wall. The altar was enclosed by a chancel railing. The schoolhouse and sexton house formed one building made of logs and weatherboarded. It stood where the present church stands and was a story and a half high. Where did they get their water? Yeah. A well, probably a creek, yep. There's a spring that runs through there, right beside there. A lot of it was either coming from there or from something else, yeah. Or they could just, like, if they had no water, they could drink from, like, a pole that shoots fresh water. They could probably just drink that. So another well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Today, I said I would bring something that we could put some of our money in. And I brought this. It's just a little pitcher. I think we use it for watering the flowers nowadays. Nowadays, we can go downstairs or right back here or anywhere else in this building and get some water. But back then, we couldn't. Why, why don't we do that anymore? Yeah. It's inconvenient. Yeah. Why else? Yeah, because we don't have to, right? <laughs> yeah, why else? Might not be as clean. Okay. Can everybody in here walk all the way down to the creek or pump a well or anything else like that to get water every time they need it? No. Not everybody can do that. And so, not just to save time and effort and energy, but also that, so that everybody can be, can be included, we changed. We changed. And that's what we're doing with this building project. We see everybody and we think, you know what? We could do better. We could do something better so that everybody can participate, everybody can be helped, everybody can have what they need. And that's who we are as a church. We make sure that in the proclamation of the gospel, all those who have need are given what they need. So we don't use this in the same way that we used to. We still use it to water flowers and stuff. But I'm no longer sending Gabriel down to the creek every once in a while to get water. And Gabriel's glad about that too. So I know a lot of you have brought quiet and loud money <laughs> with you today of all kinds. If you want to put something in there, you go right ahead. 
Can you pass that around for me, Ava? Oh, yeah. Pour them on in, Claire. Nice. Good job. Oh, they're stuck. <laughs> My money gets stuck sometimes, too. Thank you. Now, we will have another object next week. So if you would like to give some more, or if you forgot and you would like to give some later, or if you would just like to see what the object is next week, we'll have one next week, too. If you have something to give, great. If you have nothing to give, great. This children's sermon is not about who gives and who doesn't. This children's sermon is about what we do together. So everything in here is not from one person or another. It's from us. We change for the sake of the gospel. And this is very good. Should we pray? Let us pray. God, we give you thanks. From a log building all the way to the brick building we have now and all the way to what we will be in the future, you are with us. You give us good gifts and we share those with one another for the sake of your gospel in this world. Help us to share our gifts for this bathroom or for this restroom and for everything else in front of us. Thank you for glad and generous hearts. Thank you for the way that you use these gifts for the sake of all people. In your name we pray. Amen. There we go. In the name of Jesus, amen. Today's gospel can seem like a pretty simple one. I don't know about you, but I move to the interpretation of this gospel even as I'm reading it. I move very quickly towards that. If you're like me, and even if you're not, you might have heard the interpretation of this gospel that's pretty common. This gospel, this parable that Jesus is presenting, the kingdom of God is like, is often described in some kind of allegorical form. So the landowner would be God, and the people, a wide variety of people, would be us, in the, labor, the laborers in the vineyard. And at the end of the day, what's being dispensed is grace, is love, is forgiveness, is the gifts of God for the people of God. And, as allegory, it has a lesson for us. It would be described as, no matter who you are and no matter at what point you are, in your journey of faith, the gifts of God for the people of God are given freely and abundantly, without merit, generously. I think this is a good interpretation. I think it's a very good interpretation of what's happening in this text. Freely given gifts for all types of people. No matter what people have earned, no matter who people are, these gifts are given freely. And this rings right in line with what we believe as Christians. But 
I believe that my insistence to move so quickly towards the interpretation of this text keeps me out of living the experience of the parable as it stands. It keeps me away from the impact the parable could have on my daily life. I might know it up here, but I'm not sure I'm feeling it right here. And so, for the sake of experiencing the text, let's take it out of this interpretive experience. Let's take it out of it being a parable. In fact, let's root it in our daily lives. So, you. Let's say you have a job, because I know that's not a given for everybody in the room. Some are of different ages, some are of different places in life. Let's say you have a job, and you work that job either as a salary or as an hourly wage for a year. Let's say you start, I don't know, here in September. You work all the way until next September. But next August, someone gets hired for that same job doing the same thing. And they make the same amount that you do for the year inside a month. Reactions? That's unfair, right? <laughs> if this was actually happening to you, I imagine that's unfair would get expanded in very colorful ways. <laughs> yeah. That's not right. That's not good. That's an unjust. Unjust. If this was actually happen, we would reject it. In fact, there's several different versions of law that try to establish this, <coughs> try to keep this from happening. Try to make sure that this exact thing doesn't happen. Formal and informal authority pushes against this. But, This story is not about what happens with law, what happens with authority. The landowner already notices that this isn't about what is right, what is good. Well, it might be about what is good. This isn't about what is right and what is legal. The landowner couches these actions in generosity. Are you envious because I am generous? And generosity does not assume merit. Generosity assumes gift, free giving. Generosity is not earned, it's given. So the parable does not let us sit in some kind of legal understanding of what is right in terms of daily wage. So what are we supposed to do with our own experiences? What's the relationship between what is fair and what is generous? What's the relationship between our own daily lives and what God is doing? That's, I think, where the parable should root us. Because I think we're all okay up here with God being generous and gracious and merciful and loving 
But when it comes to our actual daily lives, it can get a little more tricky. That's what Jonah was experiencing in the first text, right? The thing that we sing every Lent, return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, that Jonah uses as an indictment against God. That's exactly the reason I didn't want to go to Nineveh, God, because I know you are generous, but you are not fair. That's why. Jonah spells it out for us. Generosity is not fair. Grace is not fair. Mercy is not fair. For us in our daily lived experiences, what do we do with a landowner, with a God, that is more concerned about being generous than being fair? I mean, let's live this out. Let's follow this out. What happens when our God is more worried about being generous to those who have nothing, who have no access to food or water or shelter, who have no access to health, who have no access to equality, to healing, to wholeness? What happens when God is more concerned about being generous to those people than fair to all? What happens when God is more concerned about generosity towards the oppressed than fairness to all? Now, God does not let everyone else go without. This isn't a zero-sum game in this parable. The people who worked throughout the course of the day, they're fine. They got their daily wage. The people who did not get to work the whole course of the day are also okay. They get their daily wage. The people who did work just at five, what would have happened if they were not allowed to work? No money. And if you have no money, what happens? You don't eat, right? Daily wage should ring in our ears as daily bread. God is more concerned about being generous, about making sure there is daily bread for these people at 5 o'clock, as much as God is concerned about making sure there is daily bread for those people at 9 o'clock and even earlier. God is more concerned about being generous than being fair. having lived in the parable a little bit longer. How does this change our understanding? Well, I now have to deal with a God who is generous. I now have to deal with a God who moves towards other people. I now have to deal with a God who's not really worried about what I think. Yeah. If this landowner were to be in the world, if this landowner, the one that's not really worried about making sure everything's square between people, but making sure that everybody has what they need, if that landowner were in this world, what would that landowner 
be worried about? Discrimination. Discrimination. Yeah. What would that landowner be worried about? <laughs> Food for the hungry at the very least. Access to health. I mean, it doesn't take us very long to figure out what that landowner is worried about. It's just a little bit hard to get ourselves to say it, right? The good news of God in Christ Jesus is that the landowner isn't really worried about us. Now, I, that seems harsh. But hear me out. The good news of God in Christ Jesus is that the landowner isn't really worried about us. That the gospel is going to be proclaimed and is going to be enlivened, made into reality, even if we don't agree with it. Which is good for us. Because there will be a time in your life, there's a time in all lives, when you realize, not just up here, but right here, that you are not, you are absolutely not meriting the good and gracious gifts of God that are being poured out on you. That you are not earning the good, abundant love of God in Christ Jesus. Now, it might be every day that you realize that or it might just hit you like a ton of bricks one day. I don't know. But when that day is here, as that day is here, thanks be to God who didn't wait for us to be in line with the gospel before the gospel was enacted. But the good news beyond that, too, is that even as our hearts are trying to wrestle with what is fair, God is going to push, God is going to pull, God is going to drag us to Nineveh. God is going to push, God is going to pull, God is going to drag us into the vineyard. So that we might be witnesses to that generosity. Even if we don't believe in it ourselves. The landowner wants the daily wage for everybody. It's outside of our control. Thanks be to God for that. And may God give us hearts to follow. Amen.